Big news, my new book, Motivation for Regular People, Reframing Your Drive to Pursue Your Goals and Achieve Your Potential, is now available for purchase on Amazon. Earlier this year, I realized that we've had the wrong approach to motivation for far too long. We tend to believe motivation is something that some people have and others don't. That's a great place to be if you have a lot of natural motivation, but if you're the type of person who always feels like you're just not that motivated, it can be discouraging and debilitating. The reality is we all have the same amount of motivation because everything we do requires motivation. And when you become aware of how motivation actually works and how you can adjust your motivation to help you reach your goals, you'll become unstoppable. This fresh perspective is what led me to start this podcast, and it's the exact concept I unpack in detail in my new book. Grab a copy and join me on a journey to discover how motivation actually works, learn what truly motivates you, and discover how you can align your motivation in a way that helps you reach your potential and accomplish every goal. You'll find the Amazon link for the book in the show notes, or you can visit my website at bradyross.com to learn more about it. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S dot com. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast, where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. I'm here today with Lauren St. George. Lauren grew up in South Africa. She now lives in the States. She helps people through coaching, and she has a strong interest in creativity, which is what we're going to spend some time talking about here for a few minutes. Lauren, great to have you on the show. Oh, hi. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. What Lauren is not sharing is that this is our second recording. The first one, we were about five minutes in just now and my internet crashed, which has not happened the entire time that I've been doing the show, but we're warmed up. We've had some good conversation now and I'm even more excited for what Lauren's going to share with you. So Lauren, we were talking before about creativity and you mentioned something that sparked my interest. You said that creativity is something that people often misunderstand. And so I'd love to hear a little more about where we often get creativity wrong and maybe what a better interpretation would look like. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. Uh, So oftentimes, I think when you ask people, do they consider themselves to be creative? They think about, can they draw? Can they paint? Can they play a guitar? Um, And that is artistic ability. And while creativity is used within artistic ability, the two are two different things. And ultimately, we're all creative because creativity is about problem solving, uh, which we do on a daily basis within our lives, even when we're not thinking about it. So I would argue that, yes, you are creative. Everyone is creative, uh, but it is a muscle like anything else. And the more you train it, the more you build it up, the better you will be at problem solving um, and at thinking about things from different perspectives. Um, but it is something that's innate within all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that broader understanding of creativity. Obviously, drawing, playing an instrument, that is one form of creativity. But I think if we limit our understanding of creativity to those sorts of applications, we're missing the bigger picture, as you just alluded to. So if we can build creativity in the same way that we could build a muscle, when I think about building a muscle, I think about exercise, lifting weights. What are some ways that we can be proactive about developing our creativity? 
so you know there are there are things that you can do easily in your life on, on a daily basis that help to build it up um because again it's about problem solving so if you are um you know, if you're opening the fridge at night and you think about what, is it, what it is that you're going to cook for dinner, perhaps you haven't been to the store in a couple of weeks, you're probably limited with the number of things in there. If you were to really push yourself to say, what can I do with what's on hand? Um, think through the sort of combinations of things, the flavors, maybe you put things together you've never tried before. Um, you, you you take a little bit of a risk, but you may come out of something and you're like, wow, never thought of that before. That very process of problem solving thinking through the challenge, thinking about how things might go together is, is creative problem solving, is creativity within that. So I'd say, you know, try that sometime instead of running to the store because you're out of something, can you come up with, you know, an alternative? Um, other ways you can do it is instead of driving to, to work or the store or a friend's house the same way every time, try to take as many different routes as you can. Because when you do that, you're breaking natural patterns. Um, and our brains love to be in, that, in patterns. They like running on autopilot. They like things to be predictable. And so if you break out of that, you're naturally causing a situation where you're going to, you're probably going to see something you haven't spotted before. And it might have been there all along. <laughs> Maybe a billboard that's been up for weeks. Well, all of a sudden they're building a new a new high rise that you're like, wow, where did that come from? It it just breaks those patterns and we start to see things differently. And you just never know what might come to mind when you do that. You're opening yourselves up. Um, and other things, you know, that you can do right now in front of you is to pick up an object that's on your desk or around you, wherever you are. Um, if you're driving, don't do that. But um, an object that you can then look at and say, I'm going to challenge myself to come up with 30 different ways that I could use this object. And I would say that the first, you know, third of those are the first five to 10 are going to be the regular everyday thing. So if I was to pick up this glass that's in front of me, I'm probably going to say something like it, you know, it could be a vase. But if you push yourself to get to like, you know, 20, 25, 30 different things I can do with that object, you're going to naturally get a lot more creative because you've gotten the usual things out of the way. So you may use it, I don't know, to kill a, a fly with. It might become <laughs> something that you use to keep a door open. The more you push yourself to come up with those things, um, you're going to find that you become just better at generating ideas and problem solving. The first part of problem solving is can I come up with ideas that are not the, the usual ordinary you know, patterns that I'm used to. Um, so those are just some ideas in terms of how you can build that muscle on a daily basis. Yeah, I love that you brought up the pattern matching piece earlier, because in a way it is a feature that is helpful in our brains. That's how habits are formed. Typically a habit forms when our brain is able to connect an action with a repeatable outcome. And that's, again, helpful in a lot of scenarios. But when we stop thinking creatively, stop thinking outside of the box, then we limit ourselves in terms of what we can see and what possibilities we can find. So I love what you brought up there. I'm curious, what first sparked this interest in creativity for you? Was it a life experience? Was there a story that brought you to this point or, or what draws you to this idea of creativity? It's a really good question because I think it's been a part of it's probably been the single thread throughout my life and it's shown it it's shown up in, in a variety of different ways. 
it, it started with uh, with my mom who would play play games with me as I was a kid. Um, you know, taking things like the twenty question game. Um, you know, I just ran into someone at the store, and, and I'd have to figure out who it was by asking questions, and she would only say yes or no. You start to get the more the more you uh, are pushed to ask different questions to get to an answer. I, I would I would have a lot of fun with could I get there and fewer and fewer questions. Um, so you know that started. Then then she started to uh, to do other sort of like word games with me, and um, so it was just a part of my upbringing as just something fun we would do together. But it was uh, certainly from her background, uh, which was also within creativity and, and advertising world and all of that, that we had a lot of fun with that. But it was it was teaching me a way of thinking. Um, so that's kind of been an undercurrent. Then within my own career, I first ended up within uh, the creative industry and, and ran a, an agency for a number of years um, doing doing traditional design and video and, and digital and all that. Um, and I had a client who was actually running, they were running workshops using a specific methodology. Um, and I, I really found that what they were doing was really interesting because it was was taking these really big business challenges and really having a fun way of coming at it from a really creative way to help solve these, these business challenges. And so that led me into um, really being interested in that. And I ended up doing a master's degree in, in creativity, not something that's traditionally found a lot of applications you look at when you scroll down to say what your degree is in creativity is not on that list. Right. I can promise you. Yeah. Um, but, but it did, uh, it did sort of open the world to me in terms of uh, it's a field that has been around for, for 60, 70 years now with a lot of research behind it. Um, so it's not just, uh, you know, silly activities for, for, for fun's sake, but really there's a lot of brain science behind how you can help people to take a, a natural process of creative problem solving um, and really put, put you know, activities and, and a framework around how you can get people from, from a place of uncertainty and not knowing to, to having, you know, an idea and a solution at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so good. So one of the things I'm thinking is you're talking and this this has to do with motivation, but I think it applies to creativity. So anyone who's listened to the podcast knows what I believe about motivation. I believe that motivation is something that we all have to the same degree, but we all use it differently. And I believe we all have the same amount because everything that you do requires motivation, whether that decision is good, bad or indifferent. And I'm wondering, obviously, we perceive some people as being more creative than others. But based on what you've done with creativity, do you believe that we all have that same capacity for creativity? I, I do believe we all have the same capacity for creativity. And I, I think it really comes from, um, I think that there's a fundamental principles to creativity. And if we embody them, we're going to be more creative. Um, so it's simple things that we can uh, we can start to embody today. Uh, one of them is uh, comes out of the improv world, and that's uh, having a yes and mindset. So um, yes and in, in improv, um, if you haven't heard of it before, it's, it's just how people will interact in an improv situation. If you're on stage and you put out an idea and someone says no, you've immediately killed the scene. So yes and is a, is a way to say yes to your partner's idea and build on top of it. Now that's something that you can take into any relationship you have, any business situation. 
that if you're in a in a collaborative sense and you're trying to come up with a solution, if I was to say yes to whatever idea you've come with and build on it, we're going to get to a much better place than if you throw something out and I say no. I've killed the conversation. I've probably killed trust. You're you're not going to talk to me in the same way anymore. So that's I mean that to me is it's a it's a principle to creativity and being a better problem solver. Um, but it's something you can embody in in almost any part of your life. Um, because it, it provides, it creates a place for you to be far more open uh, to to what's around you um, than than cutting things off or being a naysayer. So I, I think yes, anyone can be, uh, and there's simple those simple kinds of principles of creativity that if we embody them, we will naturally become uh, better creative problem solvers. Mm-hmm. And I think that openness piece is so important there. I think that we have a natural resistance or a natural fear of things that are unfamiliar. But I think a big part of being creative is engaging with the unknown. And this doesn't mean that you need to be unnecessarily risky in your creativity, but I think it's important to acknowledge. And I'll give you permission to disagree with me on this because you're way Mm -hmm. more experienced with creativity than I am. But I think part of what I'm taking away is that all creativity requires some degree of risk. It does. Yes. Because in order to, because the definition of creativity is the ability to come up with new and novel ideas. So for them to be new and novel, there's naturally risk implied because you're going to come up with something that, that potentially hasn't come before or you're at least putting things together in combinations that haven't come before Mm -hmm. and so anytime where we see something out there that that we see as uh even you know an easy representation of that is the the products we see in the marketplace um someone originally had to look at it and go i either see the products that are out there are not fulfilling a special need or there's a gap in the marketplace and I'm going to go and create, I don't know, the Dyson vacuum cleaner. But in order to get a product that anyone wants to buy, I'm going to have to go through 500 you know, prototypes to get there. There's risk in all of that. And then someone comes along and goes, wow, that's, that's cool. That I wish I'd thought of that. It, it is a risky a proposition to go down a road that maybe hasn't been gone down before. Um, to break a pattern, to, to go against, you know, what everyone perceives as, you know, the normal way of doing things. Um, so, yes, there is some risk involved. It doesn't have to be scary. Uh, it just has to have, as you said, a, a, a certain amount of openness to to allow your, your, your mind to go to that place um, and to think about the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So one of the things that you do in your coaching is you help people get unstuck. What role does creativity play in getting unstuck? It plays a huge part in it, again, because getting getting out of a place of feeling stuck is to, again, break the patterns that you're in. Uh, and to do that, I think you've got you've to come at a, a challenge from, from a different perspective. Um, and so creativity, I think, so, and the, the activities that, that I use within coaching are designed as a way to get people to think differently. Um, and when you when you can do that, uh, you hopefully can come up with, uh, oftentimes I find it's, you know, it's one statement that's been made or one question that's being asked that will have a trigger effect in someone's head and all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, why didn't I think of that before? Um, I do believe that for many people, the answer is within, it's just helping helping them get to it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's a fundamental belief of my coaching as well. A lot of people don't know what they already know. And that's why working with a coach can help draw that out. It's not that they're 
creating something that isn't already there, but they're making you aware of it in a way that is very empowering. So that's good. Yeah. So you talk about breaking patterns and how in order to get unstuck, you have to think in new ways and break those patterns. And I think that's so relevant. Everybody knows the saying insanity is doing the same thing over and over Mm -hmm. again. And so what I hear you saying is that you're not going to get unstuck by doing the same things that got you stuck. You're going to have to do something different, which requires this creativity piece that we've been talking about. It does. It it takes it takes looking at things from a different perspective. And so, you know, I think I think coaching coaching, as I'm sure you know as well, is is one way of doing that. You can keep asking yourself the same question and get the same results over and over again, or you can open up your you know your world to to other perspectives. Um, and which is why I like you know uh, doing some of mine as group coaching because you 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 have a lot of different perspectives then in the room, which kind of you know opens it up to even more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we are we're 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 animals of of, of habit, and we're our brain is created that way. Um, our, our original reptilian brain or our primitive brain, uh, you probably heard it called both, um, was, was created as, as, uh, as a safety. It's where our fight or flight lives. And so, you know, if, if you see, perceive something as being threatening, fight or flight is going to kick in, which is usually when we say no to ideas, we cut things down because we're not being chased by woolly mammoths anymore. So <laughs> it's anything that we perceive as being uh, dangerous or, you know, threatening to what our brain likes is, again, patterns, autopilot, keeping things safe. Um, and so, yeah you got to take the risk of breaking out of those patterns um, and looking at things from a different perspective. I think it is helpful when you know your brain's doing that though. If you listen, if you listen out for that internal voice that when it sees something that's new and might be threatening, uh, which is usually change, right? Any kind of change would be seen as that. Uh, If you at least are listening out for that voice and going, well, really, do I feel that way? Do I really think that that's not a good idea, or that just the sort of like the the first line of defense that that little voice in my head coming forward first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that awareness is huge. There's a Brene Brown quote that I share often. She's speaking in the context of emotions, but I think it applies a lot of other places as well. She says, "If I can't name the emotion, it has power over me. When I can name the emotion, I have power mm-hmm. over it." And that's scary for a lot of Mm -hmm. people to acknowledge problems because there's this belief that it somehow makes the problem worse when the opposite is true. Being unaware of the problem means that it will continue to affect you and you can't do anything about it. Whereas if you're able to Mm -hmm. name it, label it, then you have the, the first tool that you need to do something about it, which is that awareness of what is going on. So 1000% agree. Yeah. That is so good. Well, Mm -hmm. we are, we're getting close to the end of our time here. So for the person who still feels like creativity is something that doesn't come naturally to them or is not something that they're fully comfortable with embracing yet, what advice would you give to that person? Oh gosh. I mean, I would say that the, some of those, those examples that I gave at the beginning are easy kind of ways to just dip your toe in the water. Um, you know, starting to play around with with lateral thinking puzzles, which you can which you can Google. Um, there, you know, there's there's plenty of them out there. Just being playful with it, um, I think, is is really important. So when when I'm using creativity or I'm using creative tools to help clients, it's really a, a, to me is about serious play. It, it has to be fun. So keep it lighthearted. Try some of the the things that I mentioned up front. There's zero risk involved with you know 
picking up an object and asking yourself to come up with 30 different ways of using it, but start to sort of, sort of dip your toe in the water because the next time some a friend comes to you and has a challenge, instead of just saying, this is the one solution, now push yourself to come up with, you know, five or 10 different ways that they could solve a challenge. The more we kind of introduce that into the, our life, it becomes a way of thinking. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll add one of the examples that you shared earlier was brushing your teeth with the opposite hand. I've been challenged to do that before for some of my coach training. I took a neuroscience of coaching class one time, and that was our homework one week was to brush our teeth with our opposite hand. And it just makes you aware of exactly what you're talking about, which is when those patterns are formed, when they've been traveled hundreds and hundreds of times, it's amazing how you can do something without even thinking about it. And then you change something slightly and all of a sudden it's an entirely different experience. So I think that just sheds light on your brain and how your brain works and hopefully opens doors for what you're talking about, which is being able to tap into that creativity and stretch your mental muscles, even when it doesn't feel natural. It's it's a rewarding experience regardless. So Lauren, this was so fun. Thank you for sharing your experience, your passion for creativity. I really enjoyed hearing what you had to say. If there's someone who wants to learn more about the work that you're doing or connect with you to discuss these ideas further, where can people find you? Uh, best place is my website. So uh, it's answerwhatsnext.com um, because ultimately what I try to help people do is figure out what's next for them. So answerwhatsnext.com, you can reach out uh, through there and book time with me. Uh, you can uh, sign up for my weekly newsletter uh, where I have lots of sort of thought-provoking things, tools that you can use to to bring more creativity into your life. Awesome. Sounds good. We'll put that link in the show notes so people have an easy way to learn more about you and get in touch with you. Thanks again for sharing some time with us today, Lauren. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today.